Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And you're on location. You're on assignment, as we say in the news business. I am. I'm on the. I'm in the, the lovely White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, at the annual conference of the Professional Services Council. Well, I will look forward to a full report when you come back and join us in studio for Fed Heads. We have two friends in the studio with us today who are joining us for a conversation about the topic buying as one, and we'll look at uh, acquisition of the federal government first. I want to welcome Leslie Field, the Deputy Administrator of Federal Procurement Policy at OMB. It's great to see you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you here. And as our subject matter expert, the author of this report, Buying is One, Category Management Lessons from the United Kingdom, Anne Laurent of the Consortium for Advanced Management International. Welcome, my friend. It's nice to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you, too. So what was the point that you wanted to get at with this when you started in in uh, work with the IBM Center for the Business of Government, who's publishing this on your behalf? What, what was the point? that you wanted to make when you wanted to do this? Well, you know, Francis, like you, I'm a journalist at heart. And so I, I wasn't exactly going after a point. Okay. I was going after what do we have to learn from the uh, the UK, from the, from the British, about category management. Theirs is one of the more advanced public sector examples of using category management for a government, not for a company. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really looking to see if they had anything to offer us here in our now, then when I started this project some time ago, it was relatively nascent, but mm-hmm. now it's sort of, what, toddler? Yes. <laughs> Teenager? I don't know. <laughs> our, our, uh, our effort here in the States. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a smaller country, obviously, than ours and a smaller government, but not to the point that they're irrelevant. And mm-hmm. they have uh, an equal complexity in what they buy even though they may be smaller. So there's a lot of equivalency there. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, what the heck, this is pretty interesting uh, that they have been doing this as long as they have. Their, their current iteration of category management, which is really category management as opposed to the sort of incipient stuff before that, uh, is now uh, going on nine years old, I guess, yeah. And ours is a little younger than that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was stuff to be learned, I thought. Leslie, ours is younger than that, and yet it is not something that is brand new to the federal government. Tell me about the evolution of category management. It started, I, if I'm remembering right, five or six years ago that Ann Rung started to roll it, it out? It did. It actually started um, before that in 2004, 2005. We called it strategic sourcing, okay. and it really was about aggregating demand. And we learned a lot of lessons, and that was important. Um, but it started in earnest, really, when Ann came. Uh, Joe Jordan certainly helped, um, as well as the, the two former administrators. And they really set the foundation and the vision for us to buy as one. Um, I like to think of uh, the acquisition system in the federal government as an arc, about two-thirds of the $550 billion are for common goods and services. So if we can really do that better, we can spend more time and more talent on the other third, which are the more complex, higher-risk um, acquisitions. I just want to take it up a higher level. One of, the, one of the figures that Leslie just cited reminds me, and we should remind our viewers, that we're talking about the largest buyer of goods and services in the world. Talk about the migration from strategic sourcing to category management and what all of that is trying to accomplish at a, at a real basic introductory level. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, so I think when you look at the the 
the arc of what we're spending, $330 billion on common goods and services. What we did first was look at the data. That's really where all the conversations start. And we identified 10 categories of spend that were common. So IT, professional services, facilities, and management, those kinds of things. Um, we appointed category managers for each of those teams so that that was the first time ever that we were looking across the government and all the agencies to see what they were doing, how they were buying things, what pricing they were getting. So it was really the first concerted effort to look at our spend holistically. So I think we set a fantastic foundation. Um, we identified a model, a spend under management model. So we've got four tiers of different contracts so that we can um, encourage agencies to do better buying at their own agencies and do more government-wide buying where it makes sense and then setting up the best-in-class contracts so that we're not duplicating efforts all the time. When we first got into this, we were really um, uh, amazed at how much duplication there was out there, and it's very expensive, mm -hmm. and it's very burdensome on the government, it's very burdensome on industry, so there were just a lot of ways to streamline. So I think this model is going to set the foundation for where we're moving, and of course we just issued the guidance on March 20th um, that really institutionalized category management. Um, among the many administration priorities. And you started this report out by looking at the U.S. approach and the U.K. approach. What were the major differences that you found in the way that they took this issue on? Certainly the, the overarching methodology for category management is very similar. Mm -hmm. You start with spend analysis, right? Um, in the U.K., they actually used uh, an, a commercial company to come in and do a spend analysis for them after they had tried a number of different ways and found that they really weren't able to, to get the granularity that they wanted. So what they ended up using was accounts payable data. Mm -hmm. That's the real deal data about spending. Here in the States, on the other hand, we are still using federal procurement data system data, which is actually obligations data. Mm -hmm. Now, thanks to Leslie and thanks to the team that they have working together with GSA and OMB, um, they're mo collecting more and more actual spend data, actual real spend data. Mm -hmm. But using obligations data is a little bit of a, you know, there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. Obligations are intentions to spend rather than actually looking at the accounts payable data. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things you miss there is is a lot of richness and granularity, which I think I'm hoping, I'm prayerful, that um, that OMB and GSA will someday be able to 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 adopt a, mm -hmm. a real live spend analysis. Uh, wait a minute, you know, wait, you a, minute. wait a minute, wait a minute. What was that expression? Which one? What, what that you just used? Real live spend there, analysis? No, no, no. no the, Prayerful? There's, no, the there's many... Uh, oh, there's many a slip just a cup in the lip. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd never heard that before, and I'm, you know, the king of the metaphor, so no, I really appreciate the introduction of that. I have heard of that. You've heard Thank of you, that Leslie. before? Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for bringing some rationality yeah. to this discussion. Great. We won't this want you to bring richness to the program. This is why we, we invited you. That's and right, and we're bringing, we've already brought richness. Excellent. Yes. We've brought new, new right. Nicely done. Thank you okay. so much. I'm sorry, Francis. Back to the No, to not the at all, because the more that we can talk about sayings, and the less we talk about acquisition policy, the better off we are, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness sake. And, no. Leslie, can I get no, your that opinion was, on no, that? No, see, that was I'm sarcastic. taking the show over right now. You just is... offended two of the world's experts on the subject yeah. by saying you'd rather talk about and metaphors than their And you want to talk about metaphor. I really should be fired. Um, <laughs> at any rate, 
Um, so what's no the holdup, Leslie, for being able to access the accounts payable data that, that Ian talked about that they use in the right. UK? So we're actually doing some exciting work along those lines, and the GSA team has done a fantastic job of pulling in prices paid information, because Anna's right. The obligations are just sort of promises, and that's what the FPDS system collects. But we're starting to look in other systems to collect the prices paid information, uh, e-invoicing. There's just a lot of data sources that we want to pull in um, so that we can do really good analysis. And the GSA team, I think, has really helped the agencies to understand their spend better. Mm -hmm. They've been able to present the information in ways that I think a lot of senior managers um, out there have not seen. So they've created dashboards, and we're going to get even more granular. And I think we're really on a path to collecting a lot of that information and then obviously using private sector benchmarks and other data points. But we are getting there, and I agree it is all in the data. Is industry getting any more willing are they getting less prickly about cooperating in that effort? Because for a long time, the industry groups just didn't want to participate in that very much. Well, I think Ann made a really good point in the report about the need for a vendor management system, right? Mm -hmm. We really need to hear from our suppliers. And we've, at OFPP, have, have sponsored, um, you know, that, that a lot of events along those lines. Industry days, we want to promote engagement between industry and government. And so I've been really impressed with what the teams have done. Each of the 10 teams have to have a vendor management plan. Mm -hmm. um, we were really insistent on that. And we've had some great in engagements with, with uh with industry now. So I, I'm, I'm more hopeful, and I think industry sees this as kind of the way we are starting to do business for common goods and services. You know, the, uh, the period where this all started was the, the financial crisis in, in the UK, and, uh, and they took a pretty hard line toward, uh, toward their largest suppliers. One of the things that they did right away was to look at, okay, who's been selling across the government? Because it's those companies that, that sell across the government that have the opportunity to, shall we say, offer differing prices to different agencies, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing is where the problem really occurs because suddenly, you know, there's a vast variation in what you pay for a PC, for example. Yeah. That was an example that Ann used across, across government agencies. So one of the things they said, and hence the title of the, of the report and of, I think, Ann's first memo, too, or somewhere in there, is buying as one. The mm -hmm. government has to buy as one customer, one customer, the largest customer, as Robert said, in the world. When you wield that kind of weight, you're going to get better pricing. You're going to get a system that is more rationalized. You're going to be able to see what you're doing in each category of spending. And so that's one of the things that, that the, the, the Brits did, and, and they did it in a in a pretty tough way. I mean, when they came in with, uh, they created an organization, by the way, that uh, within the cabinet office, that is the essential equivalent, I guess, of OMB, although it's not, um, to, to manage this process, because they were trying to take a tremendous amount of spending out of government, right, to, to deal with a gigantic deficit that they mm -hmm. had. And, um, and so th from that place, they were actually going to vendors and saying, here's the thing, guys. We're in a jam here. Everybody's got to give up something. You're giving up this amount. And they actually renegotiated these contracts with these what they call strategic suppliers, the ones who the big ones who supply all the way across mm -hmm. government. And they put on uh, certain categories. They put on uh, spending moratoria, essentially. And so they really were doing some things that that our government has not done with this program because of the the urgency of the moment, if you will, the burning platform. I know that 
you guys will love that. That's a little sort of metaphor thing. The, you know, the urgency, <laughs> the urgency uh, really lit a fire here in a way that I don't think we had at the moment that the category management came in. I mean, it is important to remember that it was the end of the Obama administration. Leslie and team had, with yeoman's effort, had to carry this thing through and make sure it made the transition, which I think... I'm going to just say this, and you wouldn't, but miraculously, it did. I mean, really, how many management initiatives actually survived? She could tell you, not that many. And we were really excited about that, because I think it is just good government. I think it is nonpartisan. I think it's... it's <laughs> High five on that one. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, just good government. It's good business. It, it absolutely is, and I think we were really bolstered by the president's management agenda, and of course, um, you know, Deputy Director for Management Margaret Weikert has been very supportive of all of this, and I think we have um, really achieved some great milestones in FY18. We had some tremendous success, um, you know, saving tens of billions of dollars and reducing the number of contracts out there. So I do think that's important. I do think it is also important to understand that the scope and scale of the federal government versus the UK is quite different. They do a lot of central purchasing there. We obviously have a much bigger, sort of more federated model, but I think we've we've made some good good progress in getting folks to to buy into that concept that we're going as one. I get that this is government wide, but are there specific agencies or or agencies that buy specific types of stuff that are leading or strong candidates for successful implementation of category management? Yeah, so I think DHS has done a great job. GSA has done a fantastic job. VA and DOD are working together in the medical space, and I think they've done some remarkable things. So I, I think everybody, we've got success stories, honestly, in all 10 of the categories. And agencies, I think every day they're, they understand the value of, of category management. So I think it's become just even a richer, more diverse um, environment there. So we're looking forward to this. And I agree, but i got to say that I think the most exciting and fascinating story is the Air Force, who actually began their category management journey slightly before the government-wide program began. And um, they have a fascinating, fascinating story about how they put together their spend data, how they, de- how they devised their categories, how this was born in, in a FICA, the Air Force Installations Contracting Agency, and has now gone uh, agency-wide or Air Force-wide. And they have an unbelievably uh, fantastic advocate in Cameron Holt, uh, General Cameron Holt, who is now basically running acquisitions for them out of the the Pentagon, but was at a FICA um, uh, when this all started. And they and they actually came out with this program um, a bit before Anne made her right. her, her first uh, memo uh, about it uh, as uh, as OFPP director uh, or administrator. So I think their story is a particularly interesting one. As a matter of fact, their um, Air Force right now is. Uh, dear to my heart, leading the effort to manage the uh, detection dog category. They are, with DHS. Yep, yep with DHS. Right. Wow. Did you even yep. know that there no, was such a thing? No, that's fantastic. It's actually a subcategory, to it, be honest. It is, it's a subcategory. It's a subcategory it's of what? Different kinds of do- working what is dogs. Wide yeah. variation in working the rates dogs, right. of detection dogs. Well, you want to know some interesting th- – yeah. you, you, we're Since here for our canine. I'll, I'll be the judge. So, for, the judge. for example, detection dogs, most of the detection dogs used by the federal government are not actually U.S. dogs. We buy them, and we buy them from Central Europe um, uh, because our dogs here are inbred and in, in, 
I don't know, if you're a dog fancier, you will know that lots of people buy their dogs in Europe rather okay. than in the United States because the right. breeds have all been kind of diluted. And okay. So in any case, um, if you think about Central Other Europe, show. you really begin thinking about, well, wait a minute, Central Europe, things haven't been going great in Central Europe lately. You know, so there's that. And then there's the fact that we're competing with other governments because other governments have recognized that better dogs come from there too. So we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we wrap our arms around this? Can we somehow start a breeding program here? You know, we do breed some of them here, but a, a relatively smaller number of them. Uh, how can how can we handle the fact that so many different agencies are needing these dogs and for slightly or even significantly different purposes? Your beagle sniffing fruit is quite different from your Belgian Malinois or whatever it is uh, who's, who's looking for bombs or sniffing to see if people have, you know, nasty residue like from explosives on themselves, et cetera. And so, you know, this is a very interesting microcosm yeah. of what category management really is about. And if, if I have one thing to say about it, um, I would say this. What category management is about and offers is it's about gathering and analyzing continuously a tremendous amount of intelligence about the suppliers the government buys from and the markets within it which it buys. And this is not an orientation that at least for the 30 years that I have been covering the federal government and federal management and being an acquisition geek, it's not been true that we have focused that way. Our focus in government has been internal mm -hmm. towards ourselves, towards our federal acquisition regulation, towards how different we are from anybody else, and then within that how different each agency is from another one mm -hmm. in buying what they buy. Right. These are not... You know, these are not the most effective ways to approach market. Right. And I think, Francis, you talked a little bit about what the difference was between strategic sourcing and category management. Yeah. And in strategic sourcing, it's sort of vehicle-based. We were looking for the contract solution, and we were going to aggregate, and it was going to, you know, er sort of moving everybody in that direction. But what category management is is a strategy. And it's about, it's about the data, but it's also about building relationships across agencies. So in this particular example, you've got the Air Force, you've got DHS, you've got USDA. There are lots of different agencies DOD. out there, and DOD, of course, that buy dogs or IT or what, whatever it is. And, and they've got information. They've got market information. They've got price points. They've got terms and conditions. They've got vendor relationships. And it's pulling all of those people together at the same time to talk about that particular commodity or, or service across the government. And that's really the, the shift that I think we're seeing. And I, you know, I think we've got... Well, right. I mean, that's the buying as one piece Absolutely. of it. Right. But I think the broader piece of it is, you know, Leslie, you talk a lot about the workforce. And, and bless you, 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 you have them constantly, first and foremost, in your mind, which a lot of folks in policy jobs don't, let's yeah. be honest. Um, for, for the acquisition workforce, I can't think of anything that could possibly be more exciting than to do your buying through the category management methodology because you get to be expert in something so exciting as, as the markets and the suppliers and the supply chains in which you're buying as opposed to being just expert about regulations in the FAR. And, and it takes you out of, of a position of being somebody who's enforcing things mm -hmm. and into a position of being somebody who's b b developing intensive expertise and who can actually help facilitate and negotiate vastly better and do it with the market. Too, right? mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because you've got existing solutions that are already there. You've got the smartest people thinking about those commodities and services managing those acquisitions, right? So you've got that, you know, that's 
where you want to head the workforce so that they can spend their time on the more complex things. But, you know, for example, if you if you understand that, you know, government buys um vehicles, all kinds of vehicles, trucks, cars, jeeps, this, that, the other thing, right? In the UK, what they said was, hmm, this is very interesting. How can we do our best deals in this kind of a market? And one of the things that they, that they determined was they ought to be looking, and I don't know if where, how far this has gone now, but they ought to be looking at the fact that for all of those vehicles, they all require a chassis, right? They all have different stuff on top of the chassis, right? Mm-hmm. My truck, you know, my, you know, my pickup, your, your Coupe de Ville or whatever, you know. Um, see, I knew he was going to do that. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I, that's why I said it, just to get him. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> but the chassis is the same. So why don't we consider buying chassis instead of trucks and cars and Jeeps and whatever, right? I mean, that's the kind of thinking that you start to do when you look at a market and the suppliers and, most importantly, the supply chain and start looking in the supply chain. If you buy further back in the supply chain, uh-huh. are you get, able to buy more efficiently, get more value, get more customization done at a, at a more intelligent level? These are I find the whole idea thrilling. Maybe I'm just a dweeb. Well, but, yes, you know. but that's fine. <laughs> that's part of the reason you're here. So, listen, there are six key insights, Anne, that you pulled out of this. You make recommendations about each one. And on next week's episode, let's dig into each one of those. And then, Leslie, you can tell us kind of where the government stands on each one of these. And, Robert, you can just kind of be along for the ride. I'm looking forward to it. These are good insights. And uh, and Leslie have both provided great insights. We have a long way to go, but we've made great progress. And we've heard from these great experts. And I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. All right. The title is Buying as One, Category Management Lessons from the United Kingdom. More on next week's episode of FedHeads. Uh, thank you, ladies, for being here. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you again next week. Robert, thanks as always for joining me. Good to be with you, Francis. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.